leading a startup team, whether you're delivering a sugar rush, stocking coffee, or getting a regular delivery of snacks, Office Depot has solutions that fit every startup culture, from getting those first business cards and stationery to ordering fleece pullovers with your new logo. To learn how Office Depot and the California Technology Council have partnered to bring you savings on all of these startup essentials and more, go to californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. France-based biotech Gensite is developing gene therapy treatments for rare mitochondrial and neurodegenerative diseases of the eye. Its lead therapeutic candidate is in late-stage trials for Leber's hereditary optic neuropathy, a sudden condition that afflicts young adults and leaves almost all of them blind. We spoke to Gensite CEO Bernard Gilly about the company, the challenges and promises of gene therapy and why eye disease is a particularly attractive target for this emerging area of treatment. Bernard, thanks for joining us. Hi. We're, we're going to talk about Gensite, which is developing gene therapy for treatment for rare mitochondrial and neurodegenerative diseases of the eye. Your lead candidate for gene therapy is for Leber's hereditary optic neuropathy. What is that? How common is it? What's the course of the disease? And, and are there any treatments available today? Sure. Um, um, in fact, uh, Leber hereditary optic neuropathy is, uh, is a rare disease, and, uh, and uh, it's, uh, it's a, a mitochondrial disease that, in fact, uh, uh, results in the degeneration of a, a, a specific cell type in the retina, which is which is called the retinal ganglion cells, and these cells are the ones that are forming the optic nerve. So, in uh, in uh, uh, LHON patients, the uh, mitochondrion are dysfunctional, meaning that they don't provide enough energy to the cells, and so as a result of this, uh, uh, people who are bearing the mutation. Uh, uh, very suddenly, at the age of uh, at an average between 15 and 35 years of age, they will lose their sight from one eye, and in 98% of the case, in the next 12 months, they will lose the sight in the two eyes. So, as as you understand, it's a very brutal, very sudden. It is painless, but it always leads to people becoming. Uh, 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 legally blind, which is less than 2,200 or even less than this after 12 months. And for the time being, there's clearly no treatment that exists. What exactly does your gene therapy do in the case of one of these patients? So what, what we are doing is that we are providing the, the gene that is, uh, that is mutated in the mitochondrion. So just for for the explanation, mitochondrions are small organelles that are present in all our cells, and their role is to be the powerhouse of the cell. They are providing the energy to the cell. 
So once the, the, a gene of, within the mitochondrion is mutated, then the mitochondrion cannot provide enough energy and the cell cannot function correctly. And that, this is the case in, in LHON patients. So what we're doing is that we find a technology which is very novel and uh, fully proprietary to GeneSight uh, by, uh, by which we can indeed very efficiently transfer the missing gene of, in, of the mitochondrion into the cells and provide the necessary mechanism so that the protein, the missing protein, is in fact getting into the mitochondrion where it will be used to produce energy. And we have demonstrated this in different animal models as well as in uh, patients' fibroblasts. We, we have been able to sample fibroblasts from the skin of patients. Uh, obviously, we cannot sample their retina. But uh, when we do this, we demonstrate that we can fully restore mitochondrial function to normal level uh, using our approach. So with this, uh, we decided that we will move into a phase one to trial, which we did in 2014. And now we have received authorization last year to move into a pivotal trial, both in Europe and in the U.S. Well, how is the treatment prepared and delivered? So it, it's a treatment. So it's a gene therapy approach. So we're using a, a, a viral vector, which is the adeno-associated virus. And the reason why we choose this uh, vector is essentially because it is by far the, the most known and the safest vector that exists already. It has been involved into, uh, injected to uh, many, many patients in different organs, including the eye. And uh, we deliver the, uh, the, the vector by intravitreal administration. And we believe this is very important because intravitreal administration is a procedure which is very simple. Uh, most ophthalmologists can, can perform an intravitreal administration uh, with just a local anesthesia. And then we also know that because the targeted cells are the retinal ganglion cells, these cells are the proximate layer to the vitreous. So once we put the virus vector into the vitreous, we know that it is able to transfect a very large number of the ganglion cells. Well, as you mentioned, you're now in late stage testing. What do we know about the therapy so far? And is there any indication as to how durable is it? Is it something that's slows the progression, or is this going to require readministration, or are we talking about something that has the potential for being a, a single administration and a, and a cure? Yeah, so, so uh, many, many questions here. So first of all, what do we know now uh, uh, about the efficacy of the treatment? Uh, so we, 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 are, we are progressing the phase three pivotal trials to indeed get a, be a better knowledge on, on this. However, uh, in the phase one, two uh, that we have performed, we can clearly see that patients that, have, that received the treatment and were less than two years into their blindness, these patients do show an improvement in their visual acuity. They also do show an improvement in their color vision, and they also do have a better uh, 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 visual field evolution. So, in these patients from the phase one study, and I don't think we should give uh, a, a lot of attention to this. It's just, you know, uh, it, it's not a, a blinding, it's not a, a double mask trial, but we have trends showing that patients that are less than two years in their disease can indeed experience a, a, an improvement of their vision. So the, the, the phase three study is in fact 
designed into two uh, parallel studies. The first one, which we call Rescue, is involving patients that are between zero to six months from the diagnosis of their vision loss, so very early patients. And here the idea would be to demonstrate that we can clearly salvage the uh, vision in the in the eyes. Uh, and then the second trial, which is also going to be involving the same number of patients, would be patients that will be between 6 and 12 months into their disease. And again, in this patient, what we want to see is whether we can uh, uh, re reverse or rescue the vision into these patients that would have lost sight uh, and and make them improve from 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 the baseline. If all goes well, when might you expect to be able to file for approval? So we allocate twelve months for the recruitment in the in the trial, and so the recruitment is expected to uh, be uh, completed by the end of this year, and then we have a twelve months follow up. So by the end of two thousand seventeen, we'll have the the uh, the clinical outcome. At which point we expect to file for an accelerated approval again if the results are good, of course. You, you talked about your technology that it's a, a platform for mitochondrial targeting sequence. These, as you mentioned, are the the powerhouses of the cell. What role do mitochondria play in eye disease, and, and can you explain how your technology can correct aberrant mitochondria? So, so there, there are many uh, mitochondrial diseases in the in in the central nervous system and in the retina. Uh, they, they, these uh, these uh, mitochondrial disease could be linked to either a genetic mutation into uh, a gene in the mitochondrion, or it could be linked also to another dysfunction of the mitochondrion. In the in the retina, there is one other uh, disease which is very uh, well known, well, well known in the ophthalmology space, which is called optic dyscatrophy. And optic dyscatrophy is another disease of the optic nerve that uh, leads to degeneration of the optic nerves and and uh, and very poor transmission of the signal from the retina to the brain. And that could be, for instance, our next target to to address if we prove the uh, the uh, LHON product uh, to be to be uh, efficient. Well, do do these kinds of dysfunction of the mitochondria have implications for other rare diseases outside of eye diseases? Um, not only rare disease, uh, there, there are many uh, diseases of the of the central nervous system who are that are linked to mitochondrial dysfunction, and there are more and more scientific results now that are pointing to mitochondrial dysfunction in a, a bunch of neurodegenerative diseases, uh, including, for instance, Parkinson's disease, uh, ALS. Uh, uh, which is a disease of the motor neuron. Clearly, it seems that the mitochondrial is, is very central to a number of neurodegenerative disorders. I do not pretend that uh, we can solve everything, but I think at least our technology can deliver the uh, the right uh, protein into the mitochondrion to make it function. Well, you, you have a second product candidate, which is a gene therapy for retinitis pigmentosa. What is retinitis pigmentosa? How does the disease manifest itself and progress? And and how many people suffer from it? Are there treatments? So, retinitis pigmentosa is, is a rare is, is a group of rare diseases which are linked to uh, to very many mutations. Uh, there are more than hundred genes mutated, and so it's very difficult to do gene therapy, re gene replacement therapy, because in each case you need to address you would address a, a very very uh, tiny number of patients. Uh, overall, all these retinitis pigmentosa. 
patients are sharing the same disease history. It starts by the age of 18 years old or so, where people start losing night adaptation, peripheral vision, and then 10 years after, they will have only the central part of their vision that remains because they have lost their the uh, the rods, and uh, and this is called the very well known as tunnel vision. They they look like only the center center part of their eye is is able to uh, to give vision, and then with with time, this uh, this uh, uh, tunnel vision will shrink again until the uh, the vision completely disappeared when the well, when the cones are completely uh, have completely disappeared. So retinitis pigmentosa, which altogether they, they, it's a significant number of patients. Even it's often I, the, the the number of, of patients suffering from uh, RP is in the range of 370,000 uh, uh, between US and Europe. Uh, so that's a, that's a fair number of patients, and uh, and there is currently no treatment whatsoever for this. So when people when the, the patient is going to his ophthalmologist and is being diagnosed by the age of, of 18 to 20, he knows that inevitably uh, by the age of 40 or 45, he will become blind. There is no treatment whatsoever. So the idea that we are developing at GeneSight is because this is a disease of the photoreceptor, the photoreceptor is disappearing, do we, can we in fact transfer a light-sensitive molecule into another cell of the retina that survives? And then transform these cells into a photoreceptor-like cell, and this is uh, what we call optogenetic uh, technology. And uh, we have demonstrated that we can indeed transform retinal ganglion cells, which is the uh, the same cells that that we are targeting for LHON, but this time in in retinitis pigmentosa patients, those cells are perfectly functional. And we transfer a light-sensitive molecule, which uh, is called crimson R, which is uh, a channel rhodopsin, uh, which is a, a specific protein. And this one is, is sensitive to red light. And so once the retinal ganglion cells are transferred with channel, with the crimson R, we can shed the red light to, uh, onto those, uh, those, uh, retinal ganglion cells. And that will cause them to create a signal that they would be able to fire to the, to the brain so that the image continues to be assembled by the visual cortex. And we have demonstrated that it works really well into rodent models. So we use different models of of mice and rats who are who are uh, uh, turning blind, and we are now uh, continuing to progress this, and we are uh, we are expecting results in non-human primates by the end of May. Uh, at which point, if it confirms the result that we have already seen, we'll move this into uh, into clinical trial by uh, late this year or very early 2017. And here, the idea is to address uh, 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 to recruit patients that are retinitis pigmentosa the patients having lost their sight. And if we are able to, in fact, uh, 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 make them retrieve some elements of vision, we will have a clear proof of concept very soon after, probably uh, uh, during the, 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 at the beginning of the second semester of 17, we'll get the proof of concept that the approach works. There's long been expectation that early commercial gene therapies would likely target eye diseases. What makes diseases of the eye an attractive target for gene therapy? Is it easier to overcome well, some of the challenges? Yeah, essentially three, three, uh, three uh, uh, items that are certainly uh, almost of equal importance. First of all, the, because of its anatomy, the eye is a closed system. So once you inject something into the eye, there's very few leakage outside. There's very few shedding. And so you, you are able to transfer a significant number of cells because 
I mean, it remains in the same in the same area. It's not washed out by any blood flow or, or anything else. The second item is very important. Retina is, in fact, uh, of neuronal origin. And because of this, it bears the same type of Im- immunoprivilege than the rest of the brain. You know that our brain has, has, is bearing some immunoprivilege in the sense that immune reaction in the brain do exist, but they exist at a very low level so that they do not damage the neurons. And so this works the same in the retina. So once you are uh, able to inject a, a vector into uh, the different layers of the retina, you don't see any immune reaction against the transduced cell. And, and the third uh, element is, and that's really specific to the retinal ganglion cells, those, those cells are, are neurons, and they are absolutely not renewed during life. So, we, in fact, we are born with a pool of ganglion cells. We are dying with the same pool of ganglion cells unless they are dying in between. But they're not, they do not renew, they, they are not replaced. So, in fact, when we are able to transfer a gene into the retinal uh, uh, layers, into retinal cells, then the likelihood that the gene will be expressed forever is very important. And, and that has been demonstrated uh, by Gene Bennett in, uh, at, at uh, UPenn in a dog, I think one injection in a dog, and it lasts for 12 years, and, and in fact, the dog passed away, so we don't know whether it could even shed probably more, and uh, it works uh, uh, roughly the same in, in the rest of the brain. There are plenty of experiments that have been done showing that, uh, indeed, following one single injection in neural tissue, you get very sustained and long-term expression. What do you see as the biggest challenges to the success of gene th- therapy? Are they scientific, regulatory, commercial? You mean in the eye? For for you as 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 a company that's trying to commercialize a therapy. Well, for for, for us, I think gene therapy uh, is. I I don't think gene therapy is really at stake into what we are doing. I think we know that uh, we are transferring the genetic material into the the ganglion cell. We know it's expressing the ganglion cell. The the real question that we 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 could have is, by but we, using the approach, do we transfer enough cells so that that we will only know after the pivotal trials? It seems that we transfer enough cells. We uh, we have uh, elements in the uh, in, in monkeys, whereby we have been able to show that we transfer almost 30% of the ganglion cell, which is a, a fairly, fairly important number. And then the, it, it, it will boil down to the clinical outcome, whether we can indeed either restore or preserve the vision of, of, in, in, in uh, LHOM patients. Territory-wise, I'm not expecting much issues. I think the regulatory agencies in Europe, uh, for sure, and now more and more at the FDA, they are now acquainted to gene therapy products, and I think they will push this through, provided the clinical results are good enough. At this point, have you had any conversations with payers? How, how do you expect them to look at gene therapy? Yes, we, 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 we did have conversation with payers on both sides of the ocean, although, uh, and, uh, and just to, to, to just make a long story short, payers' attitude on both sides of the ocean is first, well, let me, let, let me have the, 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 the efficacy data around this. This we understand this is very key. We understand that uh, a, a very low vision or a pa- patient or, or or a blind patient is costing quite a lot every year to uh, to uh, to the payers. So indeed, if you have a solution that really changes their life, that really have an impact on their vision, we would be ready to to pay uh, a significant amount of money for this. The next point is how long will it last? 
So, so we are telling them that we believe it will last for at least 10 years. And clearly their position is, okay, show us that you have a long-term expression, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, because of the, uh, of the severity of, of the condition of blindness, and because, after all, we're talking to often disease, uh, most of the payers would, would agree that uh, they, could, uh, they could pay a significant amount of money for, for, for a, a treatment. You've raised a significant amount of funding, not only from top venture capital firms, but from the venture capital arm of Novartis. You were planning a significant U.S. IPO, $100 million, but tabled that. How far will the capital you have take you, and, and do you expect to try the public markets anytime soon? Yes, we, we, we're currently considering uh, the refinancing options that we have in front of us. I mean, we're not excluding going back to the market should conditions uh, improve. Uh, for the time being, we, we're not in a, in a true emergency. We have cash enough uh, well into 2017. It's clearly time for us to, to think of the refinancing. Should we have raised the, uh, the $9,200 million last year, we would have uh, uh, well enough to go to uh, uh, the commercialization of the LHON product. Bernard Gili, co-founder and executive chairman of Gensite Biologics. Bernard, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you very much to you. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.